Greetings, folks, and welcome to episode 129 of the Far Beyond Metal podcast. I'm your host and guide on this metal journey, Daniel Cordova. In this episode, Ian from Cyborg Octopus tells us about his first band, and I recommend the one-man melodic death metal act, Al Azul. Before all that, I welcome uh, Abraham Lincoln onto the show. Abraham Lincoln, of course, was our 16th president, and he was assassinated in 1865, but now he's back managing the band Nuclear Power Trio. I'll say I've had a lot of big guests on this podcast, but a uh, dead president might be the biggest one. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a fun, weird chat, but we're talking about the... Um, Nuclear Power Trio, a band that he has returned from the grave to manage. Um, and if you're not familiar, the Nuclear Power Trio consists of members Kimmy, Donnie, and Vladdy P. They play shreddy as hell instrumental metal that incorporates influences from a lot of directions. So you're getting some salsa, some 80 synth wave, classical guitar, and a lot more. And they're about to release their first full-length record, Wet Ass Plutonium, on July 28th via Metal Blade Records. Abe and I, of course, talk about the new record, but we're also talking about his return to the living, uh, how he got into managing a band that is a trio of feared world leaders, uh, the impressive guest list of musicians that pop up on the record, and a lot more. So before we dive into my chat with Abraham Lincoln, here's some of the title track, Wet Ass Plutonium by Nuclear Power Trio. slowly becoming more and more aware of yes, yes. recording in progress yeah, there's that lady cool new newfangled newfangled angle it's a lot of uh, things for me to get used to uh, being having been dead uh, as long as i have and coming back and zooming and tweeting and queefing and all these new uh, apps and all this stuff it's it's been a it's been a process but i'm having fun you didn't queef before uh well, I mean, not as like a, a verb that you would use to describe a, a short, a short uh, thought that people have. I whatever the, the new app is. Whatever, <laughs> whatever. I'm gonna, do you mind if I have a beer? This is a not at all. Mother Earth Brew Company. It's a, a vanilla cream ale cream skill. That sounds lovely. Imbi imbibe. So how are you, man? What's going on? Uh, I'm not too bad. Uh, I guess, you know, I, I have to start this, this interview, this chat with the obvious question is, well, we're going to get to the band eventually, but I want your back, Mr. President. Hi, I'm back. H how? <laughs> <laughs> well, there was some necromancing, uh, these type of things, but really we've got email uh, on the other side and uh, it's... Uh, slow but uh, it works and uh, i got an email from uh, vladdy p from from nuclear power trio and, and there was uh, uh apparently uh, robert downey jr was managing the band and uh there was some uh, discrepancies and uh vladdy said something along the lines of he was 
acting sus, and I, I would assume that's a shorthand for suspicious or sure. suspect. And uh, he, he just said he'd do little too late and uh, that they wanted somebody honest, you know. And so I figured, you know, he asked what I'd been doing. And I said, you know, just, just we're still dead. And uh, if I would like to come back, reincarnate and uh, manage PR for the band, tour manage, take care of the rider and things like that. So uh, I, I said, yes, you know, I said, uh, you know, I can always, always go back to being dead, you know. Uh, go to a theater again and i mean i had a rather insensitive question about your return did you ever get a chance to finish our american cousin i did not no are you uh, worried about doing that at some point or i was thinking about it but uh i guess we'll see how uh if we can avoid uh nuclear uh holocaust sure you know, in the next few years, then maybe I'll get around to it. You know, I've, I've always had a tendency to whistle down my sadness and I've had a, a 157 years being dead to work that out. And, uh, you know, humor is my therapy. So coming back into uh, a position with this band is, is, is working pretty well. And, and I think it'll be my muse to be able to finish my uh, aforementioned works. Good, good. Um, so in the press release, which I'm assuming you, you wrote for the band, uh, Kimmy mentioned yes. in a quote about the record and the band that Donnie and Vladdy P spent some nights in Miami reinvigorating, whatever the word is, their musical relationship. Uh, were you with them on those nights? Yes, yes, I was down there. Uh, I hadn't uh, fully taken the role on of managing the band, um, but uh, it was sort of a transitionary period. Robert was at the show uh, for the Netflix and Chill show, and... Uh, he did a good job that night, but uh, so I was on the guest list, and um, you know there was uh, it was a little tense, you know what with uh, uh, Donnie and 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 Vladdy and Kimmy had a little bit of a tiff. Uh, apparently, during the last album, uh, they went out to uh, film a, a a concert or a, a music video or, or, or the like on Mars, and da uh, Donnie left uh, Vladdy and Kimmy on Mars, so they were quite uh, vexed by that and. Uh, we're thinking about, you know, breaking off into a side project. And uh, Donnie worked his way back into the good graces uh, on a trip down in Miami there. And they fell in love with the uh, synthwave scene. I mean, there was always a strong affinity for Miami Sound Machine and Gloria Estefan and Miami Vice. Even on the last record, you could hear on uh, Grab em by the Pyongyang, uh, there was a, a, a little synth line running in the back there. So there was a little alluding, some foreshadowing uh, into the... Uh, oh, fuck my phone is going off oh, this is i don't know how to turn the ringers off it's a new thing for me sorry about that no uh, worries but um but yeah so you knew there was like inklings that this would be something that would uh come about uh and uh they, they you know i there was a someone named molly hanging out with them down there and so there was a lot of love going around some shoulder massages and and things like that and uh, they were able to rekindle their love of uh, music and and to use it as a a, a vessel uh to uh, uh bring about uh, change in the world positive change in the world you know i mean the uh, the politics are shit they always have been you know and and, and music is something that uh, you can very clearly see brings people together. You don't even have to speak the same language. I mean, music is a language in, in and of itself. And so it was great to be a, a party to all that. And um, w was Donnie kind of on the outs because he was no longer in power? Like, is that sort of the why he got the 
rough end of this relationship, I guess? No, I think it was more along the lines of, of the Mars thing, you know. Ah. Uh, he can tend to be a little bit uh, precocious, uh, maybe a little, uh, you know, uh, his self-interest uh, can be a little bit higher than others at some times. Um, and so, you know, leaving the guys on Mars was a pretty big uh, thing. I mean, it's, there's not a lot of um, Ubers that go out that way. And so uh, he did say uh, to his defense, though, that uh, in the original Craigslist ad uh, for when looking for band members, that uh, they were required to have their own uh, transportation. Ah, and so that'll make a break a band. To, to his defense, that you know they were supposed to uh, be able to get around. Uh, it's just Mars is a bit of an exception, they thought, and so they were a little uh, guffed about it, if you will. Sure. Uh, I have a question about you again. Um, so, like, I, hearing your voice for the first time is kind of amazing to me because you know, I, I in my lifetime haven't heard your your voice, and I don't know anyone who has. But... I spoke to you in your dreams. My son. I, I was worried that might have been you. Um, it was. It was. Not those dreams. <laughs> oh, that was. Okay. We can see them all. So, you know. How did you but, feel about uh, Daniel Day-Lewis's portrayal of you? Because his vocal uh, impersonation was not this. Not at all. Uh, matter of fact, uh, when I reincarnated here, um, I've gone through a few different uh, varieties. Like uh, At first, it was just like... Uh, this high-pitched whistle. Mm -hmm. I couldn't get any sound to come out. And uh, so I started watching movies to see if I could remind myself of what my own voice sounded like. And uh, I mean, uh, for some reason, it kept jumping to Braveheart. And so uh, I thought I was Scottish for a while. And then it sort of had like a Bill Clinton thing going on. Yeah, almost every day I wake up and it's and it's different, you know. Uh, it's it's I'm refining my own voice is actually a book that I'm going to be putting out. Oh, beautiful! Uh, as yeah, as soon as I can recollect what happened after my seventh birthday, uh, and I woke up with no arms or legs, and it was uh, very difficult to reacquire the arms and legs. We didn't have the medical technology back then, uh, but a man was able to put together uh, uh, a collection of uh, we used to call it uh, apostolate rubber. And he was able to fabricate uh, some new arms and legs for me to use. So uh, after that, uh, I figured I'll let the voice be what the voice will be. Sure. That makes sure. Sense. I, I look forward to this book because, you know, that the arms and legs thing isn't really a story you hear much about, you um, But, you know, I, I imagine you're, you're honest Abe. Do you prefer Abe or Abraham? <laughs> you know, it's funny. When I, when I was growing up, uh, I, uh, I always I hated the nickname Abe. Uh, nobody that knew me. Uh, would call me Abe to my face. Uh, but uh, 157 years being dead, you can kind of, you learn to let things go. You know, I spent some time uh, in the, uh, I went through all the bardos of the Tibetan Book of the Dead. That shit was crazy. I mean, I, I uh, the, the third bardo, um, where, you know, basically I was, I was looking for a new womb to re-enter the planet, the, the planet on because I, I wasn't listening to the Buddha, uh, uh, the Buddha body that was telling me that I was one with all the universe and that I could escape the cycle of, of death and rebirth if I'd only acknowledge that. But they've got all these wicked fucking demons that come out and they're, you know, ripping your guts out and, and eating your guts and, and it's just brutal. It's just brutal, man. So, um, yeah, but uh, it, it's a good time, man. I, I highly recommend dying. <laughs> One day, maybe when I'm older. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but I mean, I can kind of relate to at least the Abe Abraham thing, because maybe when I'm dead, I'll, I'll get used to people calling me Dan, but I don't like it now. You don't go with Dan, yeah. Nah, I'm not Daniel. a Dan. I'm Dan. I'll make people work for it. <laughs> Do you, did you like the Daniel Day-Lewis portrayal of uh, myself? Uh, I, I thought it was interesting. Um, I don't believe I actually finished the film. Ah, I, I think yes. I started it, got the gist of it, and then, you know. You know what happens, though. Yeah, of course. You <laughs> we come... passed it. We passed it. Yes. <laughs> some of Netflix and chill from wet ass plutonium by nuclear power trio i'll have more with abe lincoln in just a moment but first this is my first band every musician has a start somewhere and this episode ian forsyth from cyborg octopus discusses his heavy origins um so the first band i was ever in uh was called uh jordan's loving father and it was like a like a minor threat era like hardcore hardcore like almost straight edge band so it, there was never any recordings and we were just a group of dumb kids riffing around in a garage and i was yelling at the time i wasn't even really screaming i was just like yelling because it was punk and you could do that it was a beautiful time now in these songs that you guys are making and songs even seems like it might be a, um, a, a generous word were these covers or is that not punk rock enough not punk not punk covers are not punk and we were really um there was a band in our scene as well um and they were actually called on the spot and so they had a four song ep but they sort of just jammed every set so they like loosely played those four songs every set but they didn't practice and they just sort of like jammed it out and so we were very influenced and we thought that was really cool back in the day and you know cyborg you know that's still some energy cyborg likes to bring but that's more my personal influence The latest from Cyborg Octopus, Between Light and Air, is out now via Silent Pendulum Records. You can get your copy at silentpendulumrecords.bandcamp.com or at the link in this episode's description. Now, before I conclude my conversation with President Abraham Lincoln, here's a bit of A Clear and Present Rager from Nuclear Power Trio's debut EP, A Clear and Present Rager.
Um, so I want to come back to the band a bit because I, I feel like that's, yes. that's ultimately uh, what, we're, what we're supposed to be doing here, but it's just so fascinating talking to you. Uh, <laughs> so you may or may not know some of these answers, but like the record has horns and some Latin elements and a lot more like influences than I was expecting for this guy, this trio of guys who seem to not be open to other ideas. So like where do these less straight ahead rock sort of sounds come from for, for the trio? Or do sure, you- yeah. There's a lot of... Um- openness in this uh, particular uh, incarnation of these three men. Uh, As I've mentioned uh, in uh, some of my other talks, um, if you're uh, familiar with the the many worlds uh, theory of of quantum mechanics and quantum physics, uh, multiverses, if you will, that every uh, choice that we all have as as observers uh, collapses the wave function into a particular reality. It collapses the wave functional function into a particle. And thus, every choice that we make splits the universe off into a different universe, and all realities are happening simultaneously. And in this particular incarnation of, uh, uh, of reality, these three men have uh, collectively made the choice that uh, peace is the answer, and, and the best way to bring about peace is through uh, music. Uh, particularly instrumental music, uh, because uh, the message can't be lost. It's a universal message. And and with that, uh, these three are, are the most open versions of themselves they've ever been. And uh, there's none of this uh, in the studio. There's none of this, uh, that's too heavy, or, or that's too pretty, or that's too funky, or anything like that. Uh, the, the boys just uh, do whatever is the most fun. And that is, that's, a freedom that they've not been able to experience and certainly not in uh, the political avenues, but uh, they've been able to uh, really explore all sides of themselves uh, creatively. And thus uh, some, you can have Samba, you can have uh, a, a Debussy part, you can have uh, a Raschiato guitar, you can have uh, double thumb, you can have uh, uh, horn sections and synth and, and real harp and, and anything you want. There's no rules. It's just have fun and spread the message of peace. And uh, so I think it's, it's uh, a quite a, a freeing uh, experience uh, for the boys. Very cool. And uh, David Taro is the guy known for the back of his head and working with a legion among yes. other bands. You're familiar uh, with the back of his I, head, yes. Very well, yes. very well familiarized. Beautiful, um, li- beautiful line work. I'm, wor- I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful to get some of that line work when I'm a little, again, when I'm older. Maybe before I'm dead, but <laughs> somewhere in there. Let's see, let's see the back of your head. Let, let's work this out. This is going to be great for audio. Let's check this yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah, there yes, yes, I could see working behind you in a studio very easily. <laughs> I yes. hope to one day. Are, are you musical yourself? <laughs> Yes, yes, I do play. Uh, I do play bass myself. I can play, uh, you know, some some shitty Nirvana riffs uh, on guitar, and and uh, maybe hold a a quarter beat on the on the drum kit. Uh, I may even, you know, hop on stage with the boys uh, uh, when we bring this to the masses in a live format. Uh, Dave Otero uh, would uh, be the first to tell you that this is uh, the furthest thing from a trio uh, that uh, you can be. There's, there's liter- literally 750 plus tracks on that record, on that project in uh, Cubase he uses. And uh, so three piece, it's, it's, it's much more than that. So I may be required to step on stage uh, um, 
hopefully we can have some of the guests that were forced to play on the record. Uh, maybe we can force them to, uh, come out on tour as well. And, uh, uh, yeah, so it's, 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 it's one of those things where it's difficult to find, uh, someone who can take all those different elements. There's so much music, uh, music going on. There's so many different phrasing, so many different sub layers and be able to mix it all in a way where you can hear everything. Everything sits in its place. And so give a lot of credit to, uh, the back of Otero's head and the front of his head as well. And what made the guys pick him in particular? Were they just a fan of his other work and, or just the head? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, Donnie was quoted as saying, you know, a lot of, frankly, a lot of power trio recordings are pathetic. Uh, they're weak sounding and, um, it listened to some, uh, cattle decapitation and some, uh, uh, archspire, um, and, uh, you know, perhaps some, uh, even the Tetrarch stuff where you can hear, he's got such a range of being able to bring out the intricacies of the technicality in the riffs, especially eight string stuff where you're tuned down to E down there. And, and, uh, he just, uh, is, you know, quite frankly, one of the most professional, uh, uh, engineers in the genre and producers in the genre. He's got an amazing ear and um, he 99 out of a hundred times. They said that, that when he makes a suggestion for something, everybody's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Even Donnie and, and Vladi and, and Kimmy, who are known to be, you know, relatively difficult people to work with. They want things their way. And he's able to uh, make suggestions that they all uh, undeniably think that make the songs better. That should be on his CV, just that he's able to coach those guys. <laughs> exactly yes we do have some footage of uh, in the studio i hope we can get edited in time man but buzzards guts man it's difficult uh to put all this shit together you know brain is feeling i've only been managing the band for the last you know i don't know three months and and uh my brain is already husked out as i like to say <laughs> feeling plain as a pike staff sure uh, you alluded to some of the guests on this. We've got Chris from In Flames and Megadeth and Bill Ellis, Scar Symmetry, uh, a lot of others who, uh, did they, these guys have any reservations with working with arguably like dictators and like political malign, politically maligned figures? Uh, some of them had to be coerced. You know, there may have been some black bags involved and vans in the middle of the night, but um I think they found it to be quite an amenable situation once they, mainly once they heard the music. Uh, you know, at first the personalities are uh, quite off-putting, but uh, they ended up uh, hearing the songs that we had thought in mind for them to play each individually, and they were specifically chosen to play on each song because of their specific style. Um, and once they heard the songs, uh, uh, they, uh, I think they opened up quite a bit to the idea. It's very cool. Um, has there any been any sort of um, reaction from specifically just thinking locally to me, like MAGA groups about the band or uh, I've not seen any, uh, there's not been a lot of it. I, I think that I, they are hard to reach. Um, I, I, there's definitely folks been on, you know, either side thinking that it's, you know, uh, pro one way politically or pro another way politically. And it's, it's quite the opposite. It's, it's a political, uh, the choice was made to uh, choose instrumental music so that there was no uh, voicing. Both realize that uh, it's it's when you come to realize that that all politics are essentially pro wrestling. Yeah. yeah, they're all on the same team. They're all benefiting a small group of people up at the top. Uh, it's all bullshit. And so this is uh, sort of a 
anathema to that, you know, where the, basically the, the boys are saying, you know, screw politics, let's play music. Uh, I mean, professional wrestling, you have a history of being a wrestler yourself. Donnie's in the WWE uh, Hall of Fame, I believe. That's uh, right. Who are, who are your guys now, or do you have any guys now? I was always a big fan of The Undertaker, always. Uh, you know, I think uh, I, I wish he would come out of retirement for one last hurrah. But uh, Undertaker was great. Macho Man was a huge. We were actually friends on the other side. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I uh, love Macho Man. Have you heard his uh, hip-hop record? I have heard parts of his hip-hop record, yes. Uh, the Two Minutes of the Late Night folks covered it. I love that record. You, you love that record? I really do. I think it's incredible. I mean, it's better than Hulk Hogan's song. For oh, sure. absolutely. Be, uh, the Be a Man Hulk song? Classic. Yes. I think they just did a vinyl re-release of it, and I missed out on it. But like, no you know, way. I'll track it. Yeah. Oh, I've got to get that. That's great. You probably have connections to get uh, Record Store Day exclusive, so you know, work, work your uh, work your political powers. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, so you've kind of uh, touched on this a little bit, but the you mentioned potentially touring the band uh, is something with like maybe Elysian Havoc, Cephalic Carnage, something in the works, or because I I've just there are bands that come to mind for some reason. But you know, any other package would be neat. I've never heard of those other bands, uh, but uh, you know, there's a lot of music that's come out since I've been dead. Um, there's probably uh, you know, the, the logistics of putting it all together and, and having the band go out on tour and uh, uh, being able to present it in a way that is uh, congruent with the grandiosity of the characters. Uh, that's, that's the difficult part. You know, it, 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 it can't just be a three piece. It's got to be uh, a much larger production, whether that's going to be, you know, having secret service uh, play the additional parts or, or that kind of thing. And so uh, logistically, I, I don't uh, see the band particularly, uh, you know, going and doing two out of four on, on a six-week bill grinding out in a van in the States. You know, I think more likely it'll be uh, festival appearances to start at least. Um, something where it's, you know, 30, 45 minutes, you know, uh, looking for offers you know, above 50,000 per show is where we're starting at. So what uh, hell of a way to start. <laughs> so we've had some offers and, and they're getting, uh, they're getting up there, but not, nothing quite yet to the point. I think that's when the band will go is when I can look at the offer and say, this financially makes sense to do. Um, and, uh, it, we, it can be done in such a way as to be, uh, the vision that the, the, the three world leaders would like to project. Of course. And I imagine if they were to do a, a full tour, like even a festival, performing in the uh, the, the suits would be very difficult for them. Because like I've suit, the suits, the suits are very hot. Yes, very hot, and uh, just the nature of the the size of these three men's heads. Yeah, uh, it makes it difficult to see the fretboard. Uh, pretty much twelve through twenty four, from what I've heard, is is. Uh, almost invisible and so with the technicality of the music um, they've got to work out something with you know with having such large heads mm -hmm. i wonder how daft punk do it i mean it's mostly just buttons and stuff but they probably got a system right i think they just press a uh, space bar oh okay yeah and then it's like mostly facebook or you know <laughs> something that they're doing when they're up there we can someone said that you'd take a a, a a small video of them playing and they saw facebook in the reflection of the helmet huh. uh, that it was just simply spacebar i mean great music i love Duff funk but uh uh yeah it's uh a little different than than having to play the strings you know perhaps 
Uh, well, I, I kind of have to ask this question. What what happened to, let's just call him Mike Tyson? Tyson. Yes. Well, Tyson went to work with Drake uh-huh. shortly after. Uh, they had great relations amongst the band. That was the initial signing uh, happened as a result of that video. There was... Uh, uh, a YouTube video that uh, was put out, that first track, which ended up becoming the, the Fusion Collusion. And uh, Tyson did a great job, but uh, he left the band to go work with Drake. And so uh, there was even a uh, position change. Uh, Donnie switched from uh, bass over to guitar. Mm-hmm. And uh, that opened up the role for uh, a bass player to come in. Can we move to drums? And then they uh, worked it out with Vladi P to come and join the band and uh, play bass. So it's impressive how multi-talented all these guys are. That's right. That's right. It's pretty, when you think about it, it's got a lot of, um, uh, you need a lot of tenacity. You need a lot of uh, gregariousness. uh, And, for an instrumental band, you could say that all three are quite uh, loquacious mm-hmm. uh, in their daily lives, which is, uh, it's so fitting that they chose to do instrumental music where they let their uh, their uh, musical phrasing uh, take precedent over their traditional uh, wordiness about the world. Of course. All right, well, uh, Mr. President, thank you for coming on the program. Uh, I love the new record. I wish you could tell the guys for me. Um, I've listened to it many times since getting to hear it. And, uh, like, I don't think the world's ready for this. And uh, <laughs> is there anything you what? could tell the world to uh, to get them ready, I guess? I would say, let, let me ask you this. What, yes. Do you have a favorite track oh, and why? I am a bass nerd. Uh, so yes. the, the slap bass throughout is really doing it for me. And awesome. then, uh, pardon my having to look at the track. I know what it's called. It has bass in the name. Uh, critical Bass Theory. That's the one. Yes? Uh, yeah, that's probably it's, my favorite on there. Yeah, we kind of thought that one. That's interesting because uh, primarily the songs form with Donnie playing them on a nylon. Um, that particular song is one of the first songs where, that was built around uh, a bass part first. And so uh, that ended up being funny because it has this kind of strong drive and uh, people really enjoy uh, slap bass, you mm-hmm. know. And, and, and unfortunately, uh, Paul uh, Paul Rudd has uh, uh, sequestered the uh, primarily uh, the entire you uh, well, I would say worldwide population into slap the bass man. I'm a bass from... player myself. And I feel like he's ruined my life. <laughs> I really wish uh, we could, I, I wish we could go back and, and stop that because it's just horrible. But uh, it, it's, the guys will be elated to hear that you enjoy the record. A uh, lot, a lot, a lot of work went into this record. And it's one of those things where people are, uh, I suppose, we designed it so that if you just listen to it once through or, or, or you know, on the surface level, you watch the videos, it's entertaining and it's fun. But if you go back through, there's layers and layers and Absolutely. layers musically conceptually in the videos there's easter eggs for days you know the story of the jesus and the the bunny uh putting chocolate eggs uh, or whatever that uh analogy went i don't know how the bunny got tied to uh to the resurrection of of christ but um so we appreciate it when, when people take the time to to dig into the deeper layers and understand uh the complexity 
uh, that went into putting it all together because it was a, a grandiose effort. I mean, it was just the most work ever. And so to hear that people are uh, enjoying it is, is uh, part of that, that cycle of making it worthwhile. That just, so we really appreciate you taking the time to have us on the show and, and uh, talk with us about it. And, and thanks for enjoying the record. Yeah. And we, we, we hope it brings peace and joy to people. And, and that's the point, you know, is that we all have the choice to choose peace to choose love, to love one another, and 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 what better to do it to than to listen to these songs? And hopefully, we could just play this, and this will be this will be the we are the world that will actually work. This album. Exactly. Take. We're hoping so. We're hoping so. <laughs> All right. Wet-Ass Plutonium will be out on July 28th via Metal Blade Records. You can pre-order a copy now at metalblade.com slash nuclearpowertrio or at the link in this episode's description. Then I'd also like to give a special shout-out to Pete from Havoc, Nick from Cephalic Carnage, and Greg from Allegion for no real reason. Now, to conclude this episode, I am recommending that you check out the one-man metal beast, Alazul. Alazul is the project of guitarist Alex Pavano. He typically is in the realm of melodic death metal, but it shifts towards extreme metal, thrash, progressive metal, and a lot of other places that, honestly, I think I know metal. He goes places I don't know how to describe. He has a lot of one-off songs on his bandcamp, allazul.bandcamp.com, and I'm presenting you his latest track, To Drown in Dread. This is a dissonant, fucking heavy song that brings bands like Gorguts to mind, but I'll shut up and let you enjoy it now. Here is To Drown in Dread by Allazul in its entirety.
You can find more of Alazul over at alazul.bandcamp.com. That is A-L-L-A-Z-U-U-L.bandcamp.com. Buy his stuff and make him do more. Also follow his Instagram, snakemasta, M-A-S-T-A-H, to see him shred even more. Now, of course, I'd like to invite you to head over to farbandmetalpodcast.com. There, if you're in a band, you can hit me up at the Talk To Me section to be on the show. Uh, you can find past episodes, a store link, friends of the show, and a lot more. The theme song is Far Beyond Metal by the band Strap Young Lad from their album New Black, courtesy of Century Media Records and Devin Townsend himself. Thank you for listening. A Catbox Production.